This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 506 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and TotalSaddleFit.com. Today, Emily Gill tells us about the Christian Kennedy Scholarship. Then we will be reviewing the book Dressage School by British Hoffman with listener Elizabeth Bourbon. After that, we will complete our mini-series on freestyles with choreographer Beth Hall, and we will answer a listener question with Lauren Chunley for the trainer tip. Reese Scoffler Stanfield from Wellington, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. Hey, Reese. What's going on today? <laughs> oh, my goodness. We're just wrapping things up down here, which has been oh, quite okay. fun. Packing? That's uh, fine. Not, not yet. Not yet. Next week. <laughs> when we talk next week, I will be packing and or have just put my horses on the on the truck, but not quite yet on the packing, but kind of getting there. We're kind of organizing, but this week has just been really busy for us. Um, a lot of things are sort of wrapping up or we're scheduled. Um, we helped actually with the instructor certification. So there's quite a few new uh, instructors, certified instructors. So that was a lot of fun. And we're going to yeah. talk to one here in a little bit, Emily Gill. And um, I'm, I'm also working on a documentary um, w- on animal genetics uh, with PBS. So we did some filming yesterday. Um, and uh, I, I don't mind. Obviously, I'm, I'm pretty good at, at the talking part. But the camera makes me a little bit nervous. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then tomorrow we're doing That's a different experience. Yeah, yeah, it's very different. I tomorrow I'm excited. I'll have um, Elon Court with me, and uh, he he'll take the camera. So I'm excited about that. So we ride in the morning for the camera crew. So really a lot of fun, lot of fun stuff going on, and wrapping up some lessons with everybody. And yeah, it's really good. So we have another kind of week and a half uh, till we head home. So. I think uh, we should probably congratulate the teams from Nations Cup that happened last yes. week. We were talking a little bit about it. Um, United States yes. takes the gold medal. Canada yep. takes silver. Yep. Pretty happy about that. I know, right? I think it, <laughs> it, you know it was it was quite a good Nations Cup. Lots of stuff was going on. We were also showing <laughs> the the global was literally bursting at the seams. There were people everywhere. But uh, it was a lot of fun and and just really good team spirit all around. And it was, I think everyone had a great time. So, uh, yeah. And there's one more CDI. This week's a national show at Global and one more CDI for the for the whole season uh, next week. So, uh, it, we are, yep, we're wrapping up for sure. We're starting to. Well, then, uh, then I guess we have to throw it to the World Cup final that's happening very I soon. No, that's going to be so fun. I Two think. American riders have, have been sent over there to represent North America. That's. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool yeah it's it's a lot of fun so laura and casey i know they're busy training this week i think they leave uh, the beginning of next week or the you know they, they leave yeah. relatively soon yeah um, soon. So, yeah. yeah great yeah, so we can wish them luck absolutely i love and it I and i think we should probably get right to the show because yeah, we've got, we got uh, a, a busy one. show this week we do. So we're going to start with Emily Gill, the um, USDF's newest certified instructor or one of them and we hope you enjoy her story 
Well, I am very excited today to to have Emily Gill. She is the one of the newest USDF certified instructors on the program. Emily, welcome to the show. Hello there. Welcome. We are so happy to have you, and I have had the pleasure. I've kind of been chatting with you in, in, um, around the last couple of weeks as you've been prepa- yes. preparing for the certification. And I didn't know this, but I read this online, that you were the recipient of the Christian Kennedy Scholarship. Can you tell us a little yes, bit about correct. yourself and then a little bit about the scholarship? Sure thing. So, as you mentioned, I'm Emily Gill. I'm 24 years old. Um, I'm from Louisville, Ohio. I have a wonderful Morgan named Kalua, and we are new to the Grand Prix, um, so we're just kind of chipping away at that. Um, and yes, I am the lucky one of the recipient of the Christian Kennedy Scholarship, and I honestly cannot say enough great things about what it has done for me. I mean, this whole, you know, this is my first Florida season down here, and these three months honestly couldn't have been possible um without the support but um yeah so it allowed me to show and that was crazy you know going down global center line and um and just be down here with London Gray and train with Oded Shimani which I had a lesson today and it was stellar once again um he's been such an asset to my training um but yeah I mean honestly it's just been such a dream and um I've also gotten to know Kristen's mom and Barbara Wallace um, a little bit, and it's been so great hanging out with her. She was also at the certification exam, so it's nice to have two calming faces, Reese and Ann, there <laughs> while we were doing our exam. You guys um, did great. So yeah, it's been yeah, it was it was an awesome experience, and this whole Florida trip has been an awesome experience. <laughs> so was this your first time in Florida? Yes, this is my first time in Florida, first time in the sunshine, and now I yeah. understand why people go south. <laughs> yeah, yes, for sure. So tell us a little bit about what the scholarship was for. The scholarship was for um, a recipient, a rider, um, and it was for the legacy mostly of Kristen Kennedy, um, who we lost last year. Um, and it's mostly to help riders like he was a rider and kind of just keep his legacy um as a rider and as a as a person and it's been really cool kind of being in his footsteps so you know I get to ride for him <laughs> yeah that's fantastic so tell us a little bit about what you do at home what your business is at home my business at home is pretty much brand new which is really exciting um, it's Emily's Equestrian Enterprise. It's in Louisville, Ohio. I do a lot of traveling. I don't have a place of my own, um, but it's fun because I get to go to a bunch of different barns and train a bunch of different breeds of horses, types of horses, um, and a bunch of different types of people. So I'm having a ton of fun doing that. Fantastic. I love it. So um, the part of the scholarship, how often did you train with Oded? I trained with Oded typically twice a week unless, you know, I had a show so I couldn't on Friday. But most of the time I was there every Wednesday and Friday. And it was, I mean, every lesson is just, I I feel like I have a different horse going home in a good way, you know. And it's really, really cool to have been able to see my horse develop and, like, I'm excited to keep working him in this way. <laughs> Absolutely. So tell us, I mean, what, tell us a little bit about the certification and how that went and, and all that good stuff. Sure. Um, oh, the certification for USDF? Yes. That was um, 
really a lot of fun and a lot of um, studying involved. Um, we had two teaching lessons, two um, a lunging of the horse, a lunging of the rider, and then two horses that we would ride. And it really gave me a good sense of like the why and the how, you know, why do we do this and how do we, you know, perfect it and move forward from it um, in my teaching and, and my riding, you know, instead of just riding a horse and kind of doing what we normally do, it really allows you to step back and say, okay, why are you doing this? You know, and make me explain, you know, why and how it will improve it. I think it's really been neat. And, you know, of course to have the examiners there was, um, really great to like hear their input and um you know tips to help me improve because that's something that I want to you know I want to be a better teacher and a writer of course absolutely fantastic so if someone was interested in the scholarship is this going to be a scholarship that's going to keep going or um how does that work yes. yes this is definitely a scholarship that I believe we would love to keep going and you know keep the the legacy of Christian um so i feel like you know people should keep a lookout for this scholarship um because i i'm a hundred and i think a hundred percent sure that it will be out for next year and so how did you find it give i found it on the um d4k website um through lennon gray um yeah i found it through there and um there's like an application process and yeah you just you know fill it out like a college application fantastic Awesome. Well, Emily, yeah. it has been so fun to meet you and see, and I can't wait to keep an eye on you and your career. And we can't thank you enough for coming on the program and telling us about your time in Florida. Well, thank you so much. This was so fun and I really, really appreciate it. And Emily, to give your website out one more time and where you're located. So if there's anyone looking for a trainer in your area, they can find you. Sure thing. My website is emilythequestrianenterprises.com. And I'm from the northeast part of Ohio, Louisville, Ohio. Louisville. That's me. Fantastic. Yeah. All right, girl. Yep. Well, thanks so much. And we look forward to watching your career develop. Thank you so much. It's been a joy. Thank you. Well, just listening to Emily's uh, enthusiasm is so infectious. And I hope she inspires a lot of young people to go and, and look for some scholarships because they are out there and you can make it work if you want. Um, but we're going to come back now with our second installment of Beth Hall, her freestyle. And she did such a wonderful job. But we got a note from Beth um, from last week's segment, segment part one. Uh, she wanted to make sure that... Um, the, this correction was made. I made a mistake right at the end in implying that you would receive a technical score for riding a medium trot on a curved line, and you will not. So just um, kind of remember that. You don't get a technical score unless your medium trot is on a straight line. So we wanted to throw in that um, correction. But again, always check um, each level and the technical requirements for each level and what is allowed and what is not allowed. And that is on the USDF website as well. Um, so we're hopefully we're going to give you a great feeling with the freestyle, but please go and check. Don't take our word for it the whole time. So uh, I hope you enjoy part two, Beth Hall, uh, as she goes through freestyles. Well, we are so happy to have Beth Hall from Woodwind Studios, which is a custom freestyle business and her music cur. Um, also freestyle business, which does catalog freestyles back for a second round to go through the third and fourth level freestyles for the 2019 USDF uh, test cycle. Beth, welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. 
Well, we are excited. We didn't want to leave third and fourth level out of our discussion. Um, so, and we also, we did want to go through sort of uh, on each test, there's an artistic impression, correct? That is correct. So we're going to, we're going to discuss that. So let's get, go, go through the third level um, with okay. the technical. And uh, we'll, we'll, this is, this is a even more exciting level than second level. We're getting, we're getting better each time. <laughs> more things. Yeah. Oh, it really is exciting. Just adding that flying change just makes all things possible. That opens up your world. <laughs> Much better. <laughs> it does. Mm-hmm. It does. Mm-hmm. So, so, so at, yeah. at third level, it's shoulder in, uh, right and left. And now you add the trot half pass right and left. Extension, it's on a straight line. The counter half pass right and left, the flying change of lead, and the the extended counter on the straight line. And that's that's really interesting because um, you know USDF does a great job, and we talked about this in the last segment, but uh, last week is that there are checklists and there's also rules and guidelines where you can find all this information and it's on the USDF website um, under forms and documents. It's it's fairly easy to find it. Um, but they, so the things that are additionally allowed, um, which I thought was interesting was the trot was the half pass zigzag and trot. Um, you can, you can canter to halt. Which is helpful because it means you can put canter as your last gate segment without any need for a music change or for the awkwardness of trotting to the halt while canter music is playing. Oh yes, that makes sense. See, this is why this is why Beth this is why you do that to your job because I wouldn't have even thought about that. Yeah. I'm like, this is so smart. Got it. So then you have a counter change of hand in the canner, only one change of direction. So you can't And it had better be good. Yes. Judges are a little sensitive about putting that at third level. Mm Mm-hmm. If you can knock it out of the park, put it in there. If you can't, leave it out. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense, which is also, we talked about in the last segment, uh, half walk pirouettes. Uh, it's allowed, but I loved how you said uh, it's an anchor to you. How did you put it? It was fantastic. Well, it just it's like throwing out an anchor while the freestyle is sailing on without you. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, basically... Don't do it. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a tough one. Yeah. And interestingly, they now specify that you can ride flying changes in a sequence of every five strides. Yeah. Four strides, you get a deduction. Five so strides, they allow. That's interesting. So- I, would rather, I would rather push it to six because if the judge just looks away for a moment and they think you've shown four, you'll be in an argument. Mm-hmm. I would make it very clear you're not showing four tempies. Well, and that's, I think, a really good point, especially now as third and fourth level, things are getting a little bit more exciting. You know, the judge has to know what you're doing. <laughs> They've yeah. got to be able to hit it in the box, right? And don't right. do something that's anywhere close to, mm-hmm. uh, that just it's not a smart thing to do, right? Right. You, know, just you just want to be very, very clear in what you're doing. And if 
if you've got a third level horse who could ride three flying changes at intervals of six strides, you're showing a ton of difficulty. You don't gain by showing it every five strides. Plus, music doesn't work in fives. It works in fours and eights and twelves and sixteens. So a six is going to lay in there better with the accented beats and the music. Yes, that sounds, any, anytime you get musical, I'm like, uh, yes, <laughs> that is, this is <laughs> why I'm not, the smart people. Yeah. This, is why, this is why I have that, because I'm like, what are you talking, yes, yeah, that sounds good, yeah, no, I think that that's good, and then, again, forbidden, any movement or transition found in tests above the level, except what they're telling you in the additionally allowed, so, again, you want to make sure that if it's not in the third level technical test, that yeah. you're not doing it, you know, uh, again, and here again, that's the, um, it's the halt directly to canter. Mm-hmm. They do allow you to canter to halt so it, you can create a nice ending with it, but you can't at the beginning halt and then canter off. Right. Right. So I think that that's really, really important. Um, yeah. And again, it's the same thing that the freestyles have to be under five minutes. And that's from the beginning salute to the ending salute? That's that from the, actually, it's from the move off after the first salute. So when the judge sees movement, if they've got a stopwatch on it, that's where the stopwatch would start. And then time stops at the final salute. That's really, that's good. And so it has to be five minutes or under with no minimum. Right, with no minimum. But at third level, you're going to start pushing the timing a little. You've got plenty you can do, and you're probably going to take it past four and a half minutes. So you do have to really start watching the time as you're designing your choreography. And that's the other thing. Don't um, do yourself a favor. Don't get anywhere close to the time. You know, I mean, well. Yeah. You know, don't go over the time. I mean, that's something that you'll know from from the start of the, you know, be careful. Watch that f- from experience. Yeah, and You need to pay attention to that. And I always suggest to people, ride through it and have someone on the ground whose only job is to time it. And don't bother filming it yet. Just get your timing. If the timing is good, you can come back the next day and film it. If it's not good, you won't have wasted your time with the filming and the uploading and getting it out of your camera and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So always time it before you take the next step. Mm -hmm. And what would be too close to five minutes, do you say? Um, I edit directly to video. So there's, if you stop and salute at 4.58, your music will be 4.58, and there should be no question. I have had riders force me to do 4.59, and it, that scares me. Yeah. That's, that's just too close. Yeah. I would rather it didn't go past 4.55, but 4.57, 4.58, I can make it work, and you should be able to prove in the timing of the music that you did not exceed that. But you also can't mess around with your salute. Mm-hmm. 
If, yeah. if yeah. you like to halt and listen to the birds chirp and then salute, you've got to be very careful. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. Don't get yeah. it that close. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, or if you have a horse that really, you know, takes a moment to kind of to halt, yeah. right? Become immobile. To settle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And you may even have a little problem. If you come into the halt and there's some little loss of balance or some little thing happens and you don't have that absolute immobility, you don't want to have only two seconds to spare. Right. Yeah, that's tight. It's that's better to have tight. five. Yeah. Yeah, just makes give sense. yourself a I'd little rather time. have yeah. five, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... In, in every test, you know, we've talked about it at, at each of the levels, at the lower levels, there's your technical execution, your scores, mm-hmm. and those are your technical scores. And then there's the artistic impression. Can you talk to us a little bit about, and again, every level is going to be different, but can you talk to us just generally about that artistic impression? Um, the first thing I'd like to say is it's going to correlate to your technical scores. If you've never ridden a freestyle and you imagine that you can get fives and sixes technically and get eights and nines artistically, you won't. <laughs> Judges are very careful to, to relate the artistic impression to their technical impression. So let's say you're getting sevens all the way down technically you might be able to pull an 8 or an 8.5 on some of the artistic scores. But it's highly unlikely, unless it's just one of those Christmas gifts, you're going to pull a 9. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And I see it happen. You know, I do. And I, there are certain judges, and I won't mention them, but they're not shy about handing out artistic scores. But the FEI specifically ask judges at those levels to relate it to the technical scores. And so at lower levels, the same thing's going to apply. It's all the same judges. Yeah, um, that so that said, uh, yeah. the harmony between horse and rider, that's basically submission. Um, it just now appears in the artistic impression. Uh, choreography, design cohesiveness, use of arena, balance, creativity. Um, Some of the mistakes I see people make are big looping lines to connect movements. You need to give yourself just enough time to set up the next movement, whatever the horse needs, but nothing to excess. You want it to just, you want to just be building scores just technical movement to another, to another, to another, and not winding around setting up the next movement. Balance doesn't have to be mirror image. I like to show the same movement in the same way, but not necessarily at exactly the same place in the arena. If you say add length to your half pass, when you come back in the other direction, add the same length but not necessarily, say, from the corner. Um, creativity, don't be so creative that the judge has no idea what you're doing. That's it's, a good one. Yeah, that's more really good. That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I see that some at first level with riders that try the leg yield on the wall. Um. Mm. 
or someplace like going down the quarter line, um, show it in a way that makes sense to the judge and that they are absolutely sure of what they're scoring. Yeah, I think it's a good point also. Sorry, I was just going to say about the judge's point of view, right? Sometimes you have two judges, but, you know, 90% 90 of the time you're going to have just a judge at C. So the, the movements that you're showing have to make sense from C to the judges. Think, think about that. Yeah. And, you know, in your lateral movements and your shoulder in and yeah. like, to show it on a, on a short side or something or a trav air on a short side is not a good vantage point. So right. there's going to be a question about what you were doing. And, and if, if there's a question about it, you're not going to get a good score, no matter mm-hmm. if it's the best, you know, right. lateral movement, you know, that any horse can do ever. It's just the, the judge can't see it. So, and along the same lines, you can't use freestyle as a place to hide flaws in the horse's training or in their gait. And I see riders to do that. They think they will have a different outcome because they've ridden a freestyle instead of a test. Especially at the walk, I see riders turn up the center line at C going towards A and present all of the collected walk on the center line going away from the judge. They can't see it and you're not going to get a good score. Take your lumps. The gates are what they are and let the judge see the movement. There's no point adding irritation to what is already not your horse's best quality. So yeah, that's every, a nice point. Set yeah. up every single set up everything so that the judge can really see it and make it the best judgment they can. And if it's just not your horse's best thing, it's not. You can't hide it. You can't pretend it doesn't exist. I've had several riders tell me they can't ride to see literally in the entire choreography. Whoa. Yeah, and it's like, well, you can get away with that. You could turn early the first time, let your horse get a good look, but you have got to use the full arena. Mm -hmm. So those are the kinds of decisions you have Mm -hmm. to make when you're deciding whether you're really ready for a freestyle. Mm -hmm. Well, and that brings up the, the you, as of right now, 2019, you have to have a 63% in your technical score, and you have to show proof. In in a USDF competition, USEF competition, you have to have that to be able to ride the freestyle. Yeah. So, yeah, it that is what it is. So that makes sense. Fantastic. It well, does. Yeah. And I my from my point of view of putting music with it, I see riders who can perform things perfectly well without music, and they mm-hmm. grossly underestimate the difficulty of adding music to the whole thing because. You have to be at each point where the phrasing occurs. And if you're one stride later, one stride early, you lose the effect with the music. And it adds a lot of pressure to the performance. Mm -hmm. So if you feel shaky in terms of technique, you don't want to pile music on it. Yeah. That makes total sense. I I totally agree with you. You've got to be able to do it and and you've got to be able to perform it. For sure. And, and the 63% yeah. is yeah. at the highest test at the level at, at this point. So you have to be able to do yeah. third level test three and get a 63%. So cool. Yeah. 
All right. So our last one of the national levels is fourth level. So can you tell us a little bit about what's in that one? Okay. Um, again, shoulder in, left and right, half pass left and right. Uh, extension on a straight line, canter half pass left and right. This is where you add three tempies, uh, where you show a minimum of three. Uh, the working half pirouette right and left, so it can be slightly bigger at canter, and uh, the ex canter extension on a straight line. So four time changes are not a requirement, correct? No, you could show it. You could mm -hmm. add a line for choreography only. Mm-hmm if you wanted to put it in there and it could be your backup line for the three tempi mm -hmm. if anything goes wrong, mm -hmm. but you won't get a technical score on it. Right. And I always think a backup line is good and changes personally. I think, yeah. I think you really need to have it. Um, and like I said, if anything, you can do four times if you feel like that, that will increase your difficulty, but you won't get a technical score. Um, I mm -hmm. think a safety line is, a, is an important line to have in there uh, because it really, yeah. you know, it's one of those things that you could have a mistake. And if you don't have a safety line, then that gets, you know, that can um, kind of be, be a problem. Be very costly. Yeah, be very, very costly. costly. Yeah. And I hear people talk about using something like one of their extensions as a safety line, mm. but it will not work mm -mm. because extensions take so much less music. Mm-hmm. Than, than being in collected canter across the diagonal. You really have to go ahead and plan it music. in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you have to be careful with that. Yeah, you think that that'll work, but it, but it won't. And, and you know, I, the biggest things with freestyles are things happen. You know, for I had yeah. in a, in a CDI, I, my, my very experienced source, I happened, I didn't, now I look actually, when they turned the music on, I was right by the speaker and it scared him. Oh, and so, oops. I mean, he, we, he spooked this happened to me twice, actually. He he spooked, and I mean, this was a CDI and and at Grand Prix, and I was like, oh my gosh, um, you know. So we got to our first halt barely, but we got there, and yeah, uh, you know, there yeah. wasn't a lot of time to kind of compose ourselves, and um, right, but things like that happen, uh, you know, where so you have to kind of know that you know life will happen you can give it get it as perfect as you can at home but at a competition yeah. you need to be thinking about some of those extra those extra things um and then you know again the curve line the medium trot on the curve line does not meet the the compulsory requirements um right you know do you add that in just for kind of degree of difficulty why why would you add that in um, that could apply to degree of difficulty. It could also apply to choreography. Be very, very sure that you're showing the same competence that you showed on the on the straight line. If your horse comes out of balance, falls through the outside shoulder, if he's not as much through the back because of the curved line, I just wouldn't do it. I've seen it done very, very well. Um, you know, this restriction doesn't exist um, at FEI, and I had a rider who was the alternate for the Pan Am team put it on a single loop, and it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. So it can be done, but at the lower levels, you're not going to gain a technical score, and it, again, it had better be good. Yeah, 
that makes Same sense. Same thing as your tempis on a curved line, right? Mm-hmm. They, they can look very nice, but they can also look very not yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you want to be yeah, highlighted. It's, it's, it's all about highlighting in a freestyle, right? Doing a performance. And right. Highlighting right. Your, your horse's best moves, not trying to throw the difficulty up there mm-hmm. and then just, you know, falling flat on your face because of it. Yeah. Right. But degree of difficulty does count. It doesn't have the same coefficient. But in my experience, degree of difficulty wins. Ah, that's I would say, yeah, especially in NAYC, I see crazy difficulty. Mm-hmm. And if you get, a, as long as you get away with it, that's you going do to it. win. Yeah, as long as you yeah. can do it. Yeah. As long as she can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, Beth, thank you so much for your time. You have been so generous with your time tonight. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, if our listeners want to find you online, how would they do that? I have two businesses, depending on how custom you want to go, um, at www.woodwindstudios.com or my catalog business at www.musicur.com, M-U-S-I-K-U-R. Well, as always, Beth, thank you so much. And uh, we hope everyone has exp- is now inspired to go out and do some freestyles. I hope so. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Are you worried about digestive disorders such as colic, diarrhea, and ulcers making your horse sick? Try adding Nalox Advance to your horse's diet. The ingredients in Nalox Advanced support a healthy stomach, robust microflora populations, and normal gut function, so digestive disorders become a thing of the past. Nalox Advanced is recommended for horses of all ages to maintain a healthy gut and reduce the risk of ulcers, diarrhea, and colic. Why take chances with your horse's well-being? Start your horse on Nalox Advanced today. Well, we are really excited tonight to have Elizabeth Bourbon on. She is our book reviewer for our book club book this month, The Dressage School, a source book of movements and tips um, by Britta Schuffman. And uh, Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on. We are so happy to have you on. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, let's see. I live in Fair Oaks Ranch, which is a, a little community just northwest of San Antonio. I'm an adult amateur. I've got a day job as an environmental lawyer, and I've got three kids and two horses and a bunch of dogs and cats. At some point, you kind of lose track. You are a busy lady. <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, sounds Ooh. like a lot going on. Oh, my goodness. Well, tell us about your horses. Well, let's see. The the I've, I've got two, and they're they're kind of opposite. They're they're both mares. Um, one is an Oldenburg, and she's really nice. She's the, I should say they're both sort of hand me downs for my daughter. Um, and the Oldenburg mare, she's about twelve years old. She was a second level horse when I bought her, and I'm hoping someday I'll be a second level rider. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm kind of working my way at, at toward that, and. So she she's got really nice gait. She's kind of a diva, you know, but she's she's a lot of fun and she's she's very she she was very correctly trained and 
just to give a shout out to her trainer, I, I don't know if she's a listener, but her trainer was this woman named Louisa Zai at Helicon Farms in Fort Worth. And my trainer says that this horse is, is the most correctly trained horse she's ever ridden. So she's, she's kind of like having the answers in the back of the book. If, if, if I can manage to ask her correctly, she will, you know, she'll, she'll do what she's supposed to do. Um, but I struggle sometimes to, to know how to ask her things correctly. Yeah, and so, the, so I was just going to ask you, how did the book kind of help you with that? Because this book, I think, well, is really good for those types of questions. You know, I was astounded. Things that I thought I knew how to do. So first of all, what, what this book does is it, it, it breaks down um, different types of movements. I've basically, any type of movement you, that you can think of and some things that aren't movements necessarily, like, you know, sitting trot. But she goes through in really good detail, I think. And she, she kind of starts off with explaining, you know, what, what is this movement supposed to look like? <laughs> and then she'll talk about, you know, common mistakes. And then she goes through and tells you very specifically the correct dates and what you're supposed to do. And that's what I found so helpful because she's just very precise. And so all these years, you know, I kind of thought I knew how to pick up a canner. <laughs> Although <laughs> I will say it's something that, that I've been working on, you know, the quality of the canner transition. And as, as I, as I read through, for example, how she described how you should pick up a canner, I, I realized I've been asking incorrectly all of these years. Um, I've been asking by moving the outside leg back, but I've been asking with pressure from the outside leg. And she says, you know, you, you really shouldn't do that. The, the outside leg is really just to keep the haunches from swinging out. And if you, if you use the outside leg to cue the canner, you're, you're actually maybe asking the horse to, to move their haunches the other way. Um, she also said something that kind of, I, I had sort of a, a light bulb moment when she talked about the, the inside rain, if, if you don't give the inside rain just slightly at the moment that you feel the horse is, is about to strike off, then you may wind up blocking the horse, you know, from, and, and specifically blocking the movement of the outside leg as it moves under the body. And that's something that my, my trainer said before, you know, let go of the inside rain, you're blocking her. But I never understood really what it was that I was blocking. I understood that that was bad and that I should probably give more, but, but this book is, was really helpful in, in helping me understand precisely what the aides are doing and what the response is in the wars. Yeah. Yeah. And she, I was just going to say, I really, I mean, this is the point of, of reading these books is not that, you know, you can substitute a book for a trainer, but all, you know, all these books that we've looked at and, and, uh, and, and more in the future is just explaining something a little bit in a different way or adding an extra detail that, that a trainer may not have given to you. And it just adds to, you know, your knowledge of, uh, you know, what to do, how to do it, what it should look like. I mean, this really breaks down each section of that. And what I, what I liked is that it can help you as a um, dressage enthusiast if you're watching a test and, you know, one of these movements is in that test and the, the, this book has broken down to what are the common faults and then you can, you know, sort of become a better um, dressage 
watcher, right? Like as as a judge in 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 the stand, saying, "Oh, you know, I know that's a fault, right?" And you know, and then maybe you could even go back and look at the book. How how could have that rider have corrected that fault? Whether it's a shoulder in or a half pass, it can help you all the way up through the level, which is really cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. That well, and the other thing that I love about it is, you know, she she starts with some of the basic basics, but she she covers pretty much every you know everything that there is up through you know piaf and passage and and pretty much everything in between. And another thing that I like is that she gives you there's a little section at the end of of each of the of the passages. She gives what she, she she calls it the pyramid factor. Basically, she talks about how you know this specific movement will help with you know different elements of the training pyramid. And she has a system of little stars. So if you're putting together like your lesson plan and figuring out you know, for, you know, maybe I want to work on, you know, improving suppleness or, or improving the quality of the, of the connection. You can, you can look at these little stars and figure out, okay, this might be a good exercise to include today. Yeah. I, it's so funny. Cause that was exactly what I was going to say. That was my next comment was I love her period pyramid factor because it really goes, you really understand what you're looking at and why you're looking at it. And that pyramid of training, you know, it is the pyramid that we use in the United States as well. So theoretically, you're hearing these different um, kind of levels, not levels, but different things like rhythm and relaxation slash suppleness. You're hearing that from your instructor. So you can say, oh, you know, if I'm doing this, um, you know, she even she goes into basic things like a half halt, you know, that has rhythm, relaxation, that has all the all of the pyramid factor, uh, which was cu- quite cool. Um, but I love it because she goes through what are the correct aids, what is it supposed to look like, what's the most common mistake, which is a big one, right? I think that's going to help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The goal of the movement. Oh yeah. Why are you doing it? You know, and then some facts about the movement. So what's nice about this book, and I really do believe this is a book you should keep in your tack box or your tack room. And if you work on shoulder in one day, for example, go to her shoulder in. If you do a rain back, go to that and read it or read it and brush up before your lesson because it'll really kind of get you in the right frame of mind. That's I. That's exactly what I do with this book. I, I had her old version of it uh, and she's updated it and made it even easier to to uh, read uh, in the version two. And so love it. Um, and I really do think it's it's a Bible and, and a very good um, just book you should have in your tack room for sure. Yeah, I think this one's going to get dog-eared. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time today. Um, did you have uh, one particular uh, section that was your favorite? Probably that canter part because, okay. oh, you know, I, I don't think I mentioned my, my I, I have a pony too, sort of an older schoolmaster type pony. Um but I've struggled with the canter depart with, with having a quality transition for different reasons with, with each of the horses. And so I found something in that passage on the canter depart that addressed what I've been probably doing wrong with in, in a slightly different way with each of them. You know, you mentioned that the common mistake section, another mm-hmm. thing that she does there is she kind of breaks down common mistakes for the horse and common mistakes for the rider. Mm-hmm. And 
I found that super helpful because I think with with my with my Oldenburg mayor, I think it the the air is more on my side and but I do think there's some maybe horse issues with the pony. So mm-hmm. she's yeah. I, I feel like I'm on the right track to to figure out the how to improve the, the ride for both of them with this. So Awesome. Fantastic. Well, again, Elizabeth, thank you so much for coming on and helping us review Dressage School, a source book of movements and tips by Britta Schaffman. And uh, we look forward, we have another book coming. We'll announce it in a week or two. Uh, And we look forward to continuing to share our book club and we hope everyone's enjoying these segments. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, Coach Jen, you're on the show today, and we're so happy to have you. And you also have some stirrups from Justin, some new stirrup leathers that we totally are in love with. Can you tell us what you think about it? I also have the Total Saddle Fit uh, stirrup leathers, and once again... Justin over at Total Saddle Fit seems to have invented something that you didn't know you needed until you tried it. Yes. Uh, yeah. I always thought, you know, I have a reasonably stable leg. I do pretty well. And I got a pair because my old stirrup leathers, I used to have the kind that were leather on the top and nylon on the bottom. Well, the nylon on the bottom was getting pretty ratty looking and the holes were starting to stretch out and get to look more like eggs than holes. So it's time for a new set. So I picked up the jumping length in brown. And I put them on my saddle. And first of all, they are super soft and cuddly. Oh, this is soft, buttery leather. How can this possibly be a stirrup leather? Because I'm from the old school where the stirrup leathers were made of thick buffalo hide. Yeah, and <laughs> really would last till the end of time. And, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, yeah they break in and then they stretch. Uh, they're, very th- they're very thin. And the, the topmost layer, because they make a, a loop, is much wider than the bottom piece. So it it is super, super flat against the saddle. And then that wider width, because it's pressed against the saddle, gives it more area and it doesn't move. And I went, oh, well, my leg can be even more stable. This is even better. So I didn't even know I could use a better stirrup leather. And then I used it and said, (laughs) yes, I really need a better stirrup leather. And it's nice because unlike a lot of the newer stirrup leather designs that are available right now, there's all kind of newfangled designs. You can't run your stirrups up. You have to kind of toss them over top of the saddle, which you need to do. And then yep. your saddle gets dirty and gets bits of mud all over it. These, you run them up just like any other stirrup leather. You just run them up. You're safe. You're good to go. You can put your saddle on the rack and you're not going to get hit in the kneecaps. So there's no downside. There's no reason to not try them. And part of that is because of the total saddle fit 100% guarantee. Explain that to me, uh, well, for you can try you can try these stirrup mm-hmm. leathers for thirty days, and if you don't like them, send them back, and you're gonna get a you're gonna get your money back. So, I mean, I think you can't get a better guarantee than that on a product because I think all as with all the the Total Saddle Fit products, they really stand behind the quality and the make and and uh, they they pro- they do what they promise to do, right? So there you go. Stability yeah, stirrup it. leathers from Total Saddle Fit. <laughs> So we have a great Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week coming from Lauren Chumley, and we hope you enjoy. Well, tonight for our Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week, we are so happy to have Lauren Chumley. She's FEI rider, trainer, extraordinaire. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you. 
Well, Lauren, you do, you really do a lot of things, but you do young horses very, very well. So we called you because we have this great listener question. Uh, and this is, the question is, hi there, I'm a new listener and I'm very much enjoying your shows. Well, I've already caught up while I do my barn chores. Ha ha. I was wondering if you guys <laughs> could talk a little bit about material classes as opposed to FEI young horse classes. I'm having a hard time finding information about them and um, just need some general information about these classes. So, Lauren, we gave you a call because you do a phenomenal job. So can you start us off? Um, talk to us a little bit about what material classes are. So material classes are designed kind of as a, uh, a stepping stone or a gateway into the horse show world for a young horse. Um, they're a group class typically, which uh, is awesome. If you, you know, I, I almost always take my young horses into material for their first class because we get to go in there with other horses, um, which is just so much easier on them, um, you know, emotionally if they have, they have buddies with them. Um, and it's a group class and they evaluate, uh, the horse's gates and, um, just potential for the future without judging, you know, things like transitions, um, <laughs> he's spooking, he's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I've picked up the wrong lead in material class. They don't penalize you for that as long as you can eventually show the correct lead and they can judge that particular lead of the canter. Um, they're just, it's just a very, very lenient, easy class for a young horse to get in the white fence, see the judge, see the judge's box, um, you know, without being in there all by their, all by their lonesome. Lauren, uh, wouldn't you say that the material classes existed before the FEI started doing the Absolutely. young horse, uh, thing? So I, as far as I know, that's correct. Yeah, I think it is correct. Um, the FEI program is, is a lot different than the material class. Yeah. Yeah, but they've only, you know, the FEI, I, I can't remember uh, anything before the 90s in the FEI having any directives towards young horse stuff or young horse classes. So um, I, I feel like the materials have been around in Europe because it's, a, it, you know, started right. over there. Yeah. I feel like right. they've been around for a while. I, I don't have any facts to back that up, but I think that's correct. And it is a, a much bigger thing over there, isn't it, Phil, to, to do the material classes or at a breed Yeah, show? well, I mean, the, the, I think the height in Germany would be the uh, Bundeschampionat and, you know, and, mm -hmm. and things like this. Whereas, you know, regional competitions would hold these group style classes for like three-year-old horses even, you know. Mm -hmm. Even mm -hmm. for me, I ride a lot of young horses and I really need a special horse to go out, for, you know, uh, with a, with a three-year-old because I think it takes quite a bit of trust to... Uh, and to know your horse when, you know, usually as three years old, I'm just starting their, their riding career. So, but I think it's very normal in, uh, in Europe and, and also, uh, in North America, uh, you would think of these classes being offered at, um, you know, uh, hunter jumper shows, you know, because they are group class. Um, but mm -hmm. I do remember riding in some material classes, um, in the eighties when I was, like 11 and 12 years old and it's just like oh you have a young horse go in this class so you'll have fun and yeah. you know whatever I was a lot braver back then i guess um <laughs> but, but then i only started hearing about fei young horse classes you know later on when i was in my 20s or whatever so mm -hmm. um yeah that's why i said i think they pre-existed um the fei programs and uh and yeah you know like you said lauren it's just a chance for the horse to look around and you know just sort of like see what happens 
Yeah. Exactly. Without the pressure of, you know, getting a, a mark for your canter transition, which sometimes can be super exciting on a, or, or even having a pattern to have, to have to stick to, to remember, right. You know, exactly. you're, you're riding along the long side, then your horse spooks, then you forget your pattern and it's just, it can exactly. snowball really terribly instead of just, okay, everybody go around on the left frame yep. and you know, that kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. So basically, you know, it is, it's, it's just a walk, trot, canter class, right? The judge kind of walk us through what the judge has you do. Cause I don't see a lot yeah. of material classes either. So, so the, the requirements, uh, are different from, um, per age group. So for three-year-old material, it's just pure walk, trot, canter. Um, I, I, I can't remember exactly, and I should have probably looked this up, but I can't remember exactly, but it's on the, on the, um, GSDF website too, what each what each age group will be asked to do or can be asked to do. Um, I know that at the four and five-year-old level that they can ask for like a lengthening trot and canter and a, a stretchy circle, like uh, not a stretchy circle, but a stretchy trot, free walk, a medium walk. Um, they can just ask for more transitions within the gates uh, at the four and five-year-olds, but they're not so particular about the transition as far as I'm aware. But three-year-old is really, really basic. Walk, trot, canter, don't die. Yeah. <laughs> so in the U.S., you mostly see these at Devon, right? I mean, you don't see the material. Devon has certainly the biggest. I think Devon has the biggest material class, um, as far as I know, in the country. But uh, they offer material at a lot of different shows. For example, I have a, uh, a coming four-year-old that I have down here in Florida, and he hasn't shown that much. He actually only did Devon as a three-year-old. And um, for his first couple of shows this year, I did put him in a material class at Global on the first day just so he could get in the ring. And then I did like a training level class on like Saturday, just, you know, now that he's been in the ring and seen the judge and everyone's okay, it's not so scary. Um, so they do offer them at a lot of shows. I mean, I have almost never had any other horses in the material with me at global, <laughs> but the class is there. So people should come enter. Yeah. Come around with me. It'd be fun. <laughs> so Lauren, my, my only question kind of the loop back into our listener question is, you know, when you've done a few material classes, when do you decide if the horse is going to go into the FEI classes for the young horses or they're going to go into the open classes? Well, it, it kind of depends on the horse. And I think you have to, you have to really uh, pay attention to your horse and what that horse is ready for mentally and physically. Um, the FEI young horse program is, I think it's a super program, um, but it's not for every single horse. And it's kind of like the gifted program, if you will, for horses that, you know, it's, it's horses that are just incredibly physically mature and, and mentally mature, um, with good riders on them. And, and not just because your horse doesn't do the FEI program doesn't mean it's not an FEI horse. Just horses mature at a completely individual rate. So I think you have to just see, um, what your horse is ready for. And if they're not ready for the FEI young horse test, then just, you know, hang a year at training level, do some materials with the horse you know, go and have fun and, and learn to be chill at the show and not have, not have too much pressure. So it just depends on the horse. And, um, if, if I feel like my horse is, is confident in the show ring, it's, you know, walking and trotting and cantering mostly when I want it to, how I want it to, it's playing the long, playing the game, you know, then I decide which direction I want to go and how, how mature is the horse. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I actually love that description. It's sort of the gifted program, but just because your horse isn't in the gifted program doesn't mean they're not going to be good. Absolutely. Some horses just peak, you know, they, they grow at different times. And I've had, I've had, I mean, some of my best FEI horses when did not do the young horse program. They were still bombing around at first level at five, you know, six. It just depends on the horse and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. So if the horses are, are, you know, 
extremely precocious and the, the training is good and they're in a good situation, you know, again, important to stress mental and physical maturity, then you can go on to the FEI class, but it's not. And I've had horses that do the FEI young horse class that score terribly, but go on to be good Grand Prix horses. So it's just another route to get to Rome. Yeah. I love it. Well, Lauren, thanks so much for coming on our show tonight. How can our listeners find you online? Um, you can find me on Facebook or um, I have my website, uh, laurenchumleydressage.com. Fantastic. Thanks, Lauren. Well, as always, we love email and Facebook shoutouts. Uh, Lauren's uh, answered a question from one of our listeners. So if we don't know the answer, we will make sure we find somebody that does. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is on Facebook, or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you.